In this episode, why shutters are better, lowering fugitive emissions, and oh my God, they have an app. Oil and gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guest, please, 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 you want to help support the show, leave me a review. Same thing with our 11 other oil and gas podcasts. Then we got this great review. Ebook worth reading. Well, that's a mouthful. I thought the two-part series with Venkat and Arno had some great business value and was educational. A big thank you to Amazon for the companion ebook. I'm a big fan of the show as it keeps me and my team up to date without having to talk to the tech vendors. <laughs> Mark, please keep doing what you're doing. This is from KWIPS1972. So KWIPS, yes, we'll keep doing what we're doing so that you don't have to talk to the tech vendors until you're ready. And a big shout out for Nutanix for sponsoring the show. If you need help modernize your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the folks you want to talk to. And I'm so lucky today. I'm sitting here with Kyle Daniels. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Awesome. And this is the second time we've done that, speaking of technology, because the technology didn't cooperate the first time. So let's keep our technology fingers crossed. Now, Kyle, you have a fascinating story. And the reason it's fascinating because I've seen a lot of people try to do what you managed to pull off, which is literally you made the jump from from aerospace to oil and gas. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yes. Well, specifically the jump from aerospace to oil and gas, it's interesting because there's a lot of overlap between the two industries. Certainly one is a big consumer of the other, as in the aircraft industry is a big consumer of oil and gas products, clearly. Right. However, at the end of the day, an aircraft is a very simple mechanical device and it requires valves to operate, which is our specific focus at Clark Valve. And there's also, along the same lines in oil and gas refinery, it's a pretty simple setup. It's valves, pumps, pipes. So it's really not all that complicated. It's very scientific, but not all that complicated, very much like an aircraft. And I observed problems in the aircraft industry with specifically with valves. I was running multi-million dollar fleet retrofit campaigns of valves, and I just saw how many problems there were. If you've ever sat for 30 minutes while they do maintenance on an aircraft, that's usually a valve that they're replacing. It's pretty much the only thing that you can replace quickly on an aircraft. And they're designed to replace quickly because they fail so much. And I thought there has to be a better way of doing this. And then I had the concept for a valve that would operate a lot like a camera shutter in my mind. And seeing these aircraft valve issues... I decided that I would start getting very serious about developing this as a product. So starting with prototypes, I made hundreds of prototypes, machining them, developing them, designing them myself. So I basically had two jobs for several years. <laughs> I've done that before. That's no fun. And then I realized that really the barrier to entry was even higher in the aircraft industry than it is in oil and gas, but valves are used in very much the same way. So I figured that the best way to have this technology adopted was to go into oil and gas 
And not that it was easy, but it is a, a slightly lower barrier to entry. So that was a strategic decision there. What a great story. Now, so I know a little bit about valves, right? They cut the flow of, of fluids or air or gases on and off. I'm used to things like uh, ball valves, gate valves, but you've actually come up with a different technology. Yes. And as you referred to cutting fluids on and off, there's also something in between, which is a control valve. And a control valve very precisely controls the flow rate or the pressure or the temperature of the fluid that's moving through a pipe. So it's a very precise control device. And that's typically been accomplished with globe valves historically for decades. And right now, or until we came along, there was really only one way of doing that. You had to use a globe valve. Now what you'll find across the top manufacturers, whether it's Emerson or Mason Elin, FlowServe, they all manufacture identical products. And that is because they all make a globe valve. And these identical products are used in refineries and other applications. So we developed this technology, our shutter valve technology. And that shutter valve technology is able to accomplish the same thing as a globe valve does, but for about half the cost. Wow. So Kyle, I got to ask you, this industry hates change and there's a reason for it. It's a cultural reason for it. But you had to have gotten a lot of pushback in the beginning when you brought a different technology into this industry. Yes, there was a lot of pushback, a lot of questions. Everybody, I think, starts off on a default of doubt when looking at a new technology. I think that people spend most of their time trying to poke holes in things, but we developed our technology or I developed the technology really with a key factor in mind, which was scientific accuracy and scientific simplicity. So because it's so scientifically accurate, as you do a deep dive on it technology-wise, as we have with our partners at Saudi Aramco, Chevron, Oxy, ENI, these partners that we have who are shareholders in Clark and also technical and commercial partners, these partners also did a deep dive on the technology and they're very scientific. Their technical folks are very well-versed and the science and technology behind valves. And as they did a deeper and deeper dive into the technology, they realized that what we had done, our solution was in fact correct. And because of that, they made the decision to become partners with us and help us to ramp up and scale up the deployment of this technology. You know how cool that is? You know how much validation that is that they decided not only to use your new valve, but to work with you? Good for you. I mean, that's, that's awesome. But you're replacing something that's been in the industry for decades, if not longer than that. And so obviously it has to prove itself, actually has to meet all the specifications. Your partners have kind of probably put you through the ringer with that. Let's talk a little bit about the advantages of your shutter valve. Well, first, I'd like to say that there is a lot of respect that's due to the globe valve and to the technology that's been developed. The base of knowledge that's been developed around control valve all comes from globe valve technology. And the, the knowledge base was really critical for us to tap into how these valves are used, what particular features and benefits customers are looking for the most. So we tried to keep as much of that technology intact and in place as we could, but while still taking advantages, the key advantages of our unique shutter valve mechanism. And the benefits that it gives you are a much lower weight on the valve body itself. So the valve weighs half as much, sometimes a third as much as the globe valve that we're replacing. You see some of the, the side-by-side -side pictures and 
one of them looks like a miniature version of the other. And yet they still fit into the same place in the pipe. And so it's much lower weight. And as a result, much lower raw material usage. So that drives the manufacturing cost down. And it's a much lower torque device. I would say the key benefit to our technology is the low torque aspect of it. And when we talk about torque, we talk about how much energy is used to actually operate the device. So to operate a globe valve requires a very large amount of energy. You're fighting the fluid forces, and these are very high fluid forces within a pipe. We're talking hundreds or even a thousand or more PSI going within the pipe. And the way that I look at it, the way that I explain it to people is that the way that a globe valve operates is that it opens against the flow. So we can all picture what it's like a car underwater, let's say. And if you tried to open the door, you couldn't get it open because the fluid forces are pushing against the door, but you could easily right. roll down the window. And with a shutter valve, you have basically three windows that operate perpendicular to the flow. So it makes the opening of the, of the three shutter elements of our valve very easy to operate. We don't have to operate against the fluid forces. And so, so that less amount of energy to, to operate the valve translates into a bunch of things, right? So you don't need as big or as powerful an activator. If it's a valve that's operated by a person, they don't necessarily need levers on the valve handle itself. And also it means that it has to be safer because you're not exerting as much torque to actually open and close that valve. Yes, you're correct about all those benefits. And there's one hidden benefit that maybe doesn't meet the eye immediately, and that's fugitive emissions. Which is getting Ooh, more more that's a big topic in this industry right now. Yes, it is. It's getting more and more important. And, you know, we're all glad that it is. And there's just been a struggle to find a solution. How do you reduce the amount of fugitive emissions coming out of a valve when all manufacturers basically make identical products? And it's really more inherent to the geometry, to the design of the valve itself, that you have a certain amount of fugitive emissions coming from it. And our valve, because we have this updated and unique, more of a 21st century geometry, our valve just naturally inherently has lower emissions. Yeah, that's huge. And, and Kyle, when you saw it, talk about lower fuel emissions, which which is once again a very important thing in our industry right now. Are we talking about two or three percent, or are we talking about you know ten or twenty percent? It might surprise you, but we're talking ninety eight percent. Whoa. <laughs> if you're on our pitch podcast, I think Warren would be calling you out on that. But 98%, that's incredible. That's a huge difference. Now, was that figured in in the beginning or is it just a byproduct of the new technology? Now, that's just a byproduct of the new technology. Saudi Aramco was very interested in fugitive emissions and asked us to pass a certification. So we passed API 641, which is a fugitive emissions certification for valves. And we also passed ISO 15848, which is the international version of fugitive emissions for valves. And this is where we base our data off of. So a typical low emissions globe valve will be advertised by our competitors as being 100 parts per million, where the standard product is about 500 parts per million. But if you get the low emissions version, it's 100 parts per million. And that's an extra cost, of course. On our valve, we are certified to two parts per million wow. by Yarmouth Research. Yarmouth Research is the premier valve testing and certification facility in the U.S. And at Yarmouth Research, we obtained a two parts per million certification. And that is, by the way, after 100,000 cycles of operation. That's not when the valve is brand new. 
that's when the valve is at the end of its life. It's still at two parts per million. It's not even readable when it's new. That is incredible. So yeah, so we, those are certified numbers. So when you compare 100 parts per million to two parts per million, that's your 98% improvement. Good for y'all. I mean, and just as a byproduct, I mean, it's freaking awesome. So you talked earlier about your partners and all big names, all big companies out there. Can we talk a little bit about applications? Because it seems like a lot of what your shutter valve does is is aimed at downstream, but it seems to me it also should fit in other parts of the industry as well. We do have some upstream applications. We're in unconventionals. We have quite a few valves in unconventionals. And we also have some upstream applications. There are some critical fugitive emissions upstream applications that we've explored with our partners. But for the most part, our technology validation has been downstream in the refineries. And I think that's because it's a lot easier for us to collect data, observe the valves, install the valves, service the valves, whatever the case may be, where it's a lot easier to have them in a closed facility and in one location than to have them spread over long distances like we would in upstream. But upstream and unconventionals is certainly part of our future. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I like the fact you keep talking about collecting data. So it's not like you built this valve, it went to market, it passed market inspection, and now you're just worried about selling it. It sounds like you're going down the path of continuous improvement, collecting data on all the valves you have in service. Well, and I think that that's the benefit of actually partnering with these oil and gas super majors and OGCI, Oil and Gas Climate Initiative which is 12 oil companies. They're also a shareholder in Clark. And when you partner with these end users, the benefit is that they're going to support the technology in a way that doesn't require you to sell them one at a time to a lot of small customers, which can be very distracting and time consuming. And then although we, we still, of course, sell valves to any customer, for example, we delivered a valve to NASA last week for their NASA Ames Research Facility in California, delivering valves to Dominion Energy and, and Westlake Chemical and, and others in, in smaller volumes. So we, we still like to support our customer base, but the main focus is really working with the oil and gas partners on a technical and commercial basis. Yeah, and so, so to my point, that continuous improvement is part of, your, of, of what y'all are looking to do. Absolutely. And it's really the continuous improvement. The design itself is is very robust, as you see from the 100,000 cycle certification at Yarmouth Research and only two parts per million at the end of the valve's life. When you open up the valve after that test, the valve it looks like it's never been run before. It's a very low friction device, so it's it's very low wear. But when we talk about improvement, we talk about really Continuous improvement comes down to dialing in the valve for the specific process and learning about how the valve is going to work in that specific process. So it's really gotten down to very, very specific applications under certain conditions where we're looking for our improvements, but not so much in the design itself. That part is very much cemented. And so is this data collecting that you're doing also part of research and development? Are you looking at new applications or taking existing valves and adapt them to different applications. This way you kind of grow the different places you can help solve these problems. Absolutely. So what it does, what the data collection does is it's under API 689, which is your data collection standard. And we collect our data under this and we, we collect it all in one place so that we can share this with our end user partners. And what that does is it allows them to scale up within their organizations and show that information to other end users within the organization. Because if you think of a company like Saudi Aramco or Oxy, you have multiple sites 
with different plant managers and different technical managers. And each one of them will need to be convinced individually that the technology provides them with a valid business case for actually using it. And what they rely upon is the data that's been provided in the initial applications that were identified by the subject matter experts. So it helps us to scale up within the organizations. You know, one of the things that must be interesting, must almost be fun for you, since your valves are, I don't want to say revolutionary, but definitely evolutionary, and they're things like less emissions, they're less weight, they're smaller, lower cost, that means applications that normally you'd put a global valve in, or normally you wouldn't, you could actually put one of your valves in. So there must be some discovery going on too, where, you know, companies are looking at, at the older way of doing stuff and you go, no, my valve would be a perfect fit for this because it's smaller or it's lighter or whatever. Absolutely. It does create a lot of opportunity. One of the most interesting opportunities is in offshore applications where weight is really, reducing weight is a premium and is something that's very important. So we're, we're looking at exploring a lot of different avenues, as you say, because the valve has these inherent benefits. Yeah, that's cool. That would almost be fun to be able to look at different applications that nobody had thought of before with something that's been proven in the market. So Kyle, if we're looking at what you're doing now, once again, I got to give you another big pat on the back because you've done something that is extremely hard to do and you've done it very successfully. What's the future bringing for y'all? Well, I think the future is going to bring for us a wider adoption within the oil and gas space. We're starting with these partners, but certainly while these partners represent a large percentage of the oil and gas industry, it's not all of it. And there are a lot of smaller end users, smaller companies that could benefit from this technology. So we, our future is really going to be scaling up throughout the entire oil and gas industry and also the chemical industries and the power industries, where each of these industries use valves in very much the same way. A control valve at a power plant is used in almost exactly the same way as it is in a chemical plant or in a refinery. Yep. It must be an interesting looking forward for you know we're we're in this COVID-19 lockdown still and there's been a lot of work you keep talking about petrochemicals and refineries you know there's been a lot of turnarounds that should have happened and a turnaround audience if you don't know is when they take a part of the plant down to do plant maintenance repair that they can't do the turnarounds now because they can't get the contractors on site to actually do the work so we think there's this pit up demand for, for maintenance in the petrochemical refinery world here in the U.S. And that you've positioned yourself to be right there when everything gets cut loose because the budgets are there to do, to do the work. So if companies are listening to this and they're interested in learning more, learn to see if you're a good fit for some of the problems they have, what does that engagement look like? Do they just reach out to you directly and you sit down and have a conversation with them? Absolutely. Well, we, we have a sales organization that supports us that's within Clark. We also have an exclusive distributor Rawson, and they're based in Houston. And the way to reach out to us is either through Rawson, Rawson, our exclusive distributor, or we also have a direct sales organization for states that are outside of Rawson's territory. And for that, they can reach out directly to clarkvalve.com. And there are options within the functionality of the website to submit details on the application that you're looking at, submit those to our technical team and to our sales team. And then we have somebody follow up with the customer and we receive several of those inquiries per day. So that's been quite popular for us. Yeah, and, and so do y'all do more than provide a valve? Do y'all help with some engineering or some planning type stuff? Now, one of the interesting things that we do that we believe differentiates us from, from others is that we provide computational fluid dynamics analyses of our valves side by side with the existing valve that the, com- that the customer is currently using. And so what that is allowing us to do is to 
predict, and we call it a digital twin because this is the exact twin of our valve in a digital environment. And so we can put this digital twin of our valve side by side with what they're currently using and run it through the computational fluid dynamic software that we have. And this will give us a predictor of valve performance, valve life, velocities, trim exit velocities, body exit velocities, all kinds of information that we can get from this. And that's a, that's a great confidence builder. So we have those capabilities, CFD, we do DFMEA, design for manufacturing and engineering and analysis. We have a lot of engineering software tools. So we're, we're very much a 21st century company in that regard. Yeah, I love how you're using a digital twin. So how cool is it if I'm getting ready to retrofit a boiler somewhere and I can see the flow dynamics of what I used before and the flow dynamics of your valve without actually having to do it in real life and shut, take the chance of shutting down the boiler. That's great use of technology right there because it's real business stuff. It's not just academia. Love that. So Kyle, we're getting to the point where we're starting to need to wind down the show. This has been actually fascinating. We're at the point of the show where we do our product reviews. So if you have a tech product you want me to review, just let me know, send it, and you know the deal. If I think it's great, I'll say it's great. If I think it's not so great, I'll say that as well. And please, folks, no heavy steel. I can't really review air compressors, right? These are gadgety type things. So the folks at Neuter Photo Studio sent us their adjustable C-stand. This is the heavy-duty version. This is what you'd use to hold boom mic or a video reflector or any other type of photographic gear right out of frame. This thing is awesome. It's only 160 bucks. They actually sent us one, and we liked it so much we bought four more ourselves. So this thing's good stuff. Anything of this grade that's typically you would buy, like at a photography studio, would be four or five hundred bucks. So great piece of equipment if you're in that world. Then you heard me talk about the street team. It's all volunteer group on Facebook. I think we're about 300 folks there. We basically ask you to help us with our social media. We ask for an hour's worth of work a week. When life gets back to normal, if we're in your geographic area at a conference or an expo. You you can join us as press, and then you also get to all our live events for free. And you know what? If you can't give us an hour of work because you're busy with something else, we don't care. We know life gets in the way. And then once again, big shout out to Nutanix, sponsor of the show. They enable IT teams to build and operate highly automated private hybrid clouds. Plus, just like Kyle, they understand the oil and gas industry. So not only do they understand the oil and gas industry, they give away these really cool JBL Flip 4 speakers. If you want to go register to win one, we give one a week. Go to the show. It's click on the link. If you want to try to write it down, it's Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast. And then while you're online, might as well give us your email address. Go to the website, oilandgastechpodcast.com. We promise not to spam you. We use that to let you know the cool stuff we're doing. Then finally, join our LinkedIn page. That's where we'll be notified of us live streaming. We live stream on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Facebook. So join one of those groups. Our last live stream event we did two weeks ago, we had over 4,000 of y'all join us. So thank you. Kyle, this has been awesome. I love your story. This is a great, this is the digital wildcatter type of story where somebody takes something that is from another part of a different industry, sees a way to improve it, and then brings it to our industry and pulls it off successfully. I'd like to come back and check in with you in about six or, or eight months or so to see what has happened since then. But you know, this has been really cool stuff. You mentioned your website before, but let's do it again. If people wanted to learn more about Clark Valves, where should they go? I appreciate the kind words, Mark. It's clarkvalve.com. That's C-L-A-R-K-E. Don't forget the E, clarkvalve.com. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes, people, so you can just click on it. And then, Kyle, if people want to learn more about you, I'm guessing LinkedIn is the best place? LinkedIn is a great place. There's also my bio on the website as well. Okay, we'll put links to all that in the show notes to people, depending if you're Android or iOS, you either scroll up or left and you can click on all of that. Kyle, this has been awesome. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you. And I'd like to encourage everybody to download the free Clark Valve app. 
It's available on Android and on Apple as well. So feel free to download it. It's totally free. Wait, you have an app? Yep, we do have an app. It helps you size and select your valve. You enter your process conditions for your control valve application. It'll tell you what valve you need to use. You can send a request for quote into Clark directly from the app. It's great. Kyle, this is great. You're the first hardware manufacturer we've had on the tech show that has an app. And I encourage everybody to have an app. This is awesome. So we will absolutely put a link to the app, see if we can draw some adaptation your way. Kyle, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Folks, we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Temp Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.